Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. As we've started off recently with every episode, I'm reading one of my tips for solopreneurs as we lead up towards April 1st, which is my six-year anniversary as a solopreneur. And today's tip is number 11, and that is show up at places where your clients and prospects and peers are. And what I really mean, what I really mean by that is get out of your house, get out of your cubicle, and go to events where people in your business community are showing up live and in person. We've gotten to a place where people sort of mistake that a like, a link, a share, and a follow is the same as a real human-to-human interaction, live face-to-face. And I think if you're really going to succeed as a solopreneur, you've got to get out of your house, you've got to get out of your office, you've got to get out of that corner table at Starbucks and go to where people are so that they can get to know you and you can get to know them. Because even in our digital world, people still like to do business with people they know, like, and trust. And that's actually a great transition for today's guest because she is new to Austin. She has just moved here and she is doing just that. She is out attending networking events and meeting people and really kind of relaunching her company that she's had for 15 years, but doing it in a new city. And so we are today going to talk to Stacy Vacari, and she is the owner of Ideal Life. And she is a coach and she has been doing this for over 15 years. She started her career working for the United Way and then went on to another charity called EarthSave International. And then at some point, she decided, I want to just work for myself. I want to create my own path in this world. And that's what she's been doing for over a decade and a half. So, Stacy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. So, I I did a little brief overview of what you do, but why don't you tell the audience about your business? Great. Well, I'm a life coach, and the best way that I have always described what I do to people, because we live in a very career-focused culture, and and people definitely understand professional development. We don't apply those same principles as much to our personal lives. And so, the way I explain what I do is in the way that a company who's wanting to grow, maybe their sales are down or their business is sort of flattened and they are interested in taking it to the next level, they would bring in a business consultant. It's common practice. They would bring somebody in to help them do a diagnostic of their business practices. They would do an audit of what's working in their company. They would evaluate what's not working. They would look at the gap between what they want and where they are. And then that consultant would take them and and create a vision and a set of goals that they would guide them to create. They do it with them and they'd help them implement a strategic plan. I do the same thing, but I do that for a person's whole life. So in a culture that is dominant in looking at our professional development and growing our businesses, I sort of take that same expertise that people are are used to developing, but I bring that to all areas of their lives including their business, but also health and well-being and their relationships and their parenting and their mental outlook. So I'm looking at the big picture with people. Wow, that is so great because you are right. We do get into a world, and I fall prey to this all the time, where we are really focused on you know career goal, career goal, career goal. And really, if the other things are out of balance, it can send your career careening off the, off the side of the cliff, right? Exactly. They're very symbiotic and very interconnected. But sadly, in our culture, we don't, we don't really learn the things that we need to know to be very strong in our personal foundation. And so we basically go through 
your life just winging it and getting whatever results we're capable of getting without real significant personal development. So you started doing this 15 years ago, and, and I, I'm going to just kind of go out on, on a ledge here and say, nowadays when you meet people and you say, oh, I'm a life coach, people say, oh, how interesting. Tell me more. Oh, that's great. I've done that, or my friend works with a coach. I would imagine 15 years ago when you said, hi, I'm Stacy, and I'm a life coach, people must have looked at you like you had landed in a spaceship. You're right. And, and you had mentioned at the start of the show that I recently moved to Austin, which is true. I moved here from Louisville, Kentucky, and I was actually the very first life coach in that market. So there was definitely a lot of education that needed to be done when I started my coaching practice to inform people on sort of, you know, the vision of what I was intending to do with clients. So it, it, there was definitely some, you know, foundation laying in that market. But definitely today, it's, it's pretty commonplace. Most people know what a life coach is. Well, and the concept has always made sense to me, because if you look at great athletes and not just ones, you know, you think Michael Jordan or, or people who play on teams, but even golfers and, and tennis players, they all always give credit to the coach they work with. And, and when they change coaches, it's big news because that's going to help them reinvent their game. And really, that's we're all individuals out there playing a game. So really, when people go, oh, a, a coach for an individual, I've always thought it made sense. It makes perfect sense to me. I mean, I've, I've always been drawn to this myself long before I developed my coaching practice. And it, it just makes sense. When we're living our life, we are inside all of our issues, right? We're very insulated into the way we think, the way we've been raised, the way that we have come to see our life and interact with our experiences. We're biased, both in a good and bad way. And so when we want to change our life, like two of my very favorite quotes are, you know, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. And the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. So to me, if you, if a person wants an aspect of their life to be different than what it is, but the only thing they can do is think from within their sort of own database of knowledge, they're largely going to generate the same experience over and over again. And that's why people really resonate with that concept of Groundhog Day. Like a lot of people can relate to that is their daily experience of life where they wake up the next year it's the same as it was the year before. And so when you bring somebody in from the outside who is skilled at looking at life from from the aspect of possibility, it's amazing what happens. Well, and I've, I've worked with coaches in different business aspects, and I was a sales guy, and I've worked with a sales coach, and I wanted to make a career change, and I worked with a career coach. And then I also have a mastermind group, which we're sort of like a peer coaching group of five of us. So I think it's great. I mean, you must have, after 15 years, some great stories of people who've really come to you know, breakthroughs because of working with somebody like yourself. Oh, it's amazing. And I have to say the, the greatest pleasure in my coaching practice, I've just attracted people who are really looking for long-term growth. So I'm very thankful that uh, in my coaching practice, I have many, many, many clients who I've been working with for a long time. And they're just really committed to sort of taking that onion, you know, that metaphor that many of us use in personal development of un unraveling the onion. And they just want to go deeper and deeper into their growth. And when you have a strategist that's committed to your life and has been working with you long enough, I see people's patterns play out. I see where people are trending in their lives and their romantic relationship with their spouses, how they parent, how they show up in their professional lives, how they show up with fitness. And when, when I'm able to see how a person trends and how a person shows up consistently over time, 
I'm able to get in there and see where they're sabotaging and help them turn that around. And that, that's significant because most people self-sabotage the very things they say they want in life, but they don't know how they're doing it. It's so systemic and sort of insidious in the way they live their lives. So to have somebody come in from the outside who's journeying with them long enough to be able to spot those patterns out and help them reverse them is significant. So Stacy, what led you to becoming an entrepreneur? Because you'd worked for the United Way and then you were working for another nonprofit. What was it that sparked you to say, I'm going to go do something different? Well, you know, I've always been drawn to the nonprofit sector. I've always been drawn to helping people. But I went to business school and I was very much uh, sort of always resonated both with, with business and also with entrepreneurialism. Both of those have always resonated with me. And so I sort of applied those skills in the nonprofit sector and really enjoyed doing that. It always felt great to take productivity and bring it to a great cause. And I feel blessed that I found causes that really sort of made my heart sing. And then, uh, you know, almost 15 years ago, I decided it was time for me to reinvent myself. I've always been committed to that. And it just made sense for me to do that in more of an entrepreneurial setting. And I had taken a sabbatical in between the last nonprofit that I ran called Earth Save, which you mentioned. And I took some time off to, you know, to really explore reinventing myself professionally because that career was almost eight years and it, it never felt for one day like I had a job. It was very much my passion in life and still still really is um, one of my greatest passions in life. And so I was very blessed to have a career that never felt like work. And so when I decided I was complete with that because I'd been doing it for so long, it was time to move on. I really pondered, like, where do you go from here? Like, where do you go after you've been doing something for almost a decade that never felt like you worked and that was your passion in life? Where do you go from there? And so I took some time off to really just get quiet and still and pursue some hobbies and take some time to do some spiritual work. And when I came out of that sabbatical, without hesitation, this idea came to me. And as I mentioned, I was the first life coach in Louisville. So I didn't even realize at the time that there was a a field called coaching. I had just thought that I would become a personal life consultant. And then someone turned me on to a book of an author. I don't even remember who that was. And, and when I realized, huh, there's this emerging profession called life coaching, I knew absolutely without certainty it was what I was thinking of. And so I started my business immediately. So what do you absolutely love about being an entrepreneur and working for yourself? Gosh, you know, I have to say, I love everything about what I do. And even moving to Austin, where I'm having to, in some way, start over, fortunately, my business is phone-based and my clients are national. So I was able to come to Austin with my existing clients. But, but I definitely needed to leave my reputation. And, and uh, I was on a radio show for almost a decade. And all of that was left behind. So it was very much like starting over because I didn't know someone in Austin. So even going back to the basics, even having to hit the pavement running in a new market without knowing anyone, I just say it's really stimulating. I haven't done this in a long time because I was so established in my business in Louisville that it was, you know, sort of past that point. But you know, I guess the things that I love the most is I love the freedom. I love that I have centered my life around a 15 to 20 hour work week. And so I have my client sessions on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And of course, moving to Austin, I'm doing a lot of networking, as you mentioned at the start of our show. And so I, I, I scheduled those appointments now on Mondays and Fridays, but have not done that in a very long time. And so I love the freedom to center my life around my own rhythm and my own schedule. So I am really dedicated to being in nature. 
uh, every day and I'm dedicated to my yoga practice and I'm really committed to a healthy diet. So I spend a lot of time each week with food prep and uh, eating a very healthy diet, which, you know, I enjoy cooking and preparing. So I really, my life is centered around my hobbies and my interests and my work is just one part of that. And I'm productive and I'm efficient with my time. So I am able to limit the hours that I work each week to support all of my hobbies, interests, and relationships. And so I love that. If I had a regular job, it would, you know, it certainly could happen still. It did when I had a, a job before, but it, it is certainly easier for me to set my tone owning and running my own business. So is there anything about being a solopreneur and working for yourself that you don't like? Is, are there any days you wake up and think, wow, I wish I was still working for the nonprofit? I don't. Not one day ever. <laughs> And that's the truth. I have to say, when I first moved to Austin, before I got into my flow here and sort of like, you know, kind of penetrated my, my, you know, sort of my flow and rhythm in this market, and I was needing to go to networking events that were sort of scattered around Austin, I I definitely struggled with the traffic here for sure. (laughs) But then shortly after that, I thought, you know what, this is not working for me. It, It really made me feel unpleasant. And then I just recalibrated and I thought, you know, this is not, this is not, you know, my, my company is called ideal life and that was not contributing to mine. And so I basically just decided that I would only go to networking events that were, um, that were downtown, which is where I live in Austin. And I would decide on a very individual basis if something really resonated with me enough, either socially or professionally to venture out in rush hour traffic in Austin. And so once I made that decision and I let go of sort of that missing out mentality that, that a lot of us have, when I just realized I had a little bit of that going on, like, well, gosh, what if this networking event is so great and I miss it? And then I thought, but if I might be missing that networking event, but I'm not missing what I'm gaining by letting it go, I made complete peace with that. And so not being in my automobile in Austin, Texas during rush hour has really enhanced the quality of my life. So I'm back to loving everything about being an entrepreneur. And that's actually really good advice because, you know, so many people suffer from, I think the term is FOMO, F-O-M-O, fear of missing out, that uh, I think when we realize that we're not necessarily missing out when we're doing what we want to be doing, that's what we're doing. So I think, I think everybody can learn from that advice. What advice do you have? And I imagine in your, in your job helping people as a life coach that you actually give this type of advice and help steer people. But if somebody wanted to go work for themselves, maybe, maybe they're going to work every day uh, you know, and hating the traffic and they're you know, not liking their boss. What advice do you have for somebody who says, I want to go start my own thing? My number one piece of advice is to run your numbers all the way through. And the, the two things I think people need to really, really think about to make sure that they can create an entrepreneurial venture that supports their lifestyle and their family or, you know, whatever they have financial commitments to is is two things, is to make sure that they work on a business plan that can support uh, the financial viability of what they want to do. Because I know a lot of people who love the idea of working for themselves, but they never crunch the numbers to look at how to price their business or their services or their products to make sure that they can actually have a viable financially successful business. So that's the first thing. And then the other thing is I find a lot of people who like the idea of being in business for themselves, and they're actually very passionate about whatever the particular service is, for instance. But the thing that I think people need to really think about is 
how committed are they to actually marketing and selling themselves in their business? Because the longevity in terms of financial success for a business is very much correlated to a person's ability to keep their hopper full, whether that means, you know, where they're selling their products or their services. And I think a lot of people, when they think of being a solopreneur or entrepreneur, get seduced into the idea that they, you know, love being a dietitian. And they want to go out and do that on their own. And that's great. But if a person doesn't have the personality and or skill set to be able to go out and talk to people much like you were talking about at the start of the show, it takes a whole lot more than social media to keep a business thriving financially. And it really requires a person to be putting themselves out there and marketing themselves and their business. So I think people need to really think all the way through to make sure they're committed to that. And so it doesn't necessarily matter to me that people don't have all the skills they need when they're considering this. They just have to be committed to develop those skills and they have to know that they're willing, if they're going to hit some, some difficult spots along the way, that they're committed to persevering through those, those difficult spots. Well, absolutely. Because one of the things I'm very grateful about for my own sort of journey as a solopreneur on entrepreneur is that part of my background was I was a sales and marketing person and I was a hundred percent commission sales in my early twenties. And so the only way we ate and actually the first house we bought meant that I had to go out and sell advertising and I had to do it again every day. And at the end of the month, my quota went back to zero sold and it was like, wait, wait, I just set a company record on the 31st. What do you mean? I'm at zero today. But that was a great lesson because now, you know, I tell people who want to become a speaker, I say, so you want to become a salesperson? And they're like, no, 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 no. I want to be a speaker. I want to be on the stage and talk to audiences and inspire people. And I said, yes, absolutely. You want to be a salesperson because, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't sell it, you don't get to get on the stage. Absolutely. And I think regardless of what the content is for a solopreneur or entrepreneur, it is at the heart of it. Absolutely sales. Because if you're not able to sell yourself and or your services, you might, you might coming out of the gate have some, some strength because you've gone to your warm market and you've gone to all the people you know and they've all agreed to buy your products or, or hire you to do your thing. But then after you get beyond that warm market, it really does require you to get out there and cultivate interest and do business development. Absolutely. And I do a lot of work with law firms, either large law firms where I get brought in or I do some individual coaching with either individual lawyers in a big firm or sort of solopreneur lawyers. And that's the hardest thing because a lot of them in that profession really believe that somehow their business is different because they're lawyers. It's a profession. It's There's no sales involved. And it's like, oh, that's really the first thing we have to get through when they work with me is there is sales involved. And it's just like any other business. And it's hard for some of them because they went to school and they were told that, you know, the law is a practice. It's not a business. But at the end of the day, you have to pay a light bill and you have to pay your employees and, you know, rent that's due, guess what? You have to have sales in order to get the money in to do those things. And the most successful attorneys that I work with are the ones who really quickly grasp the fact that, okay, I'm a salesperson. And so I think every industry, you're right, it's very true. I agree. And it is a big part of the work I do with my clients. And I have compassion because, you know, I, I believe just from, from the time that I visited with you before and also today, certainly myself as well, we, we are we are sort of natural salespeople in marketing on top of what the content of our business is. So I'm a life coach, but I'm also a really good salesperson. You're a professional speaker, but you're also a really good salesperson. But a lot of the people that I work with are really good at what they do. And like you, I work with a lot of lawyers, particularly women lawyers. And 
they're brainwiring. Many of them, they're very analytical. They're really bright, but many of them can be quite introverted. And so this part of developing their business is very uncomfortable. And so what I do, and I'm sure like you do in your work with them, is sort of supplement their intellectual and social skill sets to help them develop an action plan on how they can bring themselves into the market and put themselves out there and gain clients and do that in a way that doesn't completely disrupt their personality type because that needs to be honored. I mean, people are who they are and people can make tweaks and they can direct their energy, but most people can't show up as a completely different person than who they really are. Well, and you actually are giving lots of great little nuggets for the audience today, because that's true too. You have to honor yourself and be true to yourself. And, you know, another thing that I remind people is that means not everyone's going to like you. You can't be all things to all people if you're going to be out there, you know, offering out a product or a service because you're going to have your market and there's going to be people who celebrate what you do. But I've always found that, you know, sometimes people are like, well, you're not the right fit for my conference. Now, I might disagree and I might be a good salesperson. I could probably talk them into it. But the fact is, if we're not a good fit, there's lots of business out there. It's probably better to move on to the next thing. So I do think that you hit on something very true that they have to honor who they are because otherwise they'll never be able to actually stay true to it. Exactly. And I think if you really stop and look at the potential that's out there for each of us, there is an abundance of business for all of us. Our goal is to put ourselves out there and invite people to join us in whatever it is that we do. And like you, I absolutely expect to not be a match to everybody. I have a very definite style. And that really, really works well for a lot of people. And it also doesn't work for other people. And that's fabulous with me. I mean, in fact, I'm so happy to, to help those people find the right version of me that's a better fit for them. Because I think when you, when you have that chemistry with another person, regardless of what your industry is, and when you have chemistry with another person, and, and in this context, I mean professional, but also personal chemistry, that dynamic between two people is so synergistic. And when that's not there, I don't know, I believe there's enough business out there for me that I don't need to say yes to bring on a client that I don't think I can really serve. I think that that person would be better suited with a better match, leaving my client base open for a new person that's a better, better fit for me. Well, and I am a really active member of the National Speakers Association. For me, it was a great conduit for me to learn the business and meet peers and actually, you know, find ways, you know, there's so many different ways in my business to, to find success. And I was able to find it faster because I got involved with this association. But the founder of the association, who who has passed away many years ago. I never, I never met him. But the founder, his name was Cavett Robert, and the founder, he had a saying, is that what we need to do as an industry is not fight over slices of the pie. We need to grow the pie bigger. And his belief was is that it was an abundant pie that had no ends. And therefore, when we all work together to make the pie bigger, everybody could get more slices. And I think that's what you were really saying. Yes. And I certainly think that's true in my industry. I think it's, you know, that can be found to be true in so many different industries, but certainly for mine and also yours, there is not a shortage of people who want to live a better life. There is not a shortage of people who want to be healthier. In my, in my work, I don't ever find people that feel like their relationships are perfect or that their marriages are just overflowing with joy and intimacy. There is such a need for us in our culture to be more positive, to fall more in love with life, to find greater self-acceptance. I'm not finding a shortage in this market for what I do. And so I am so happy to connect people to their right place because I believe it's out there and I don't think 
I'm the best for everybody. So I just think when you go into it that way, I, I don't know. I feel like when you give, you receive hundred times more in the world. And uh, it's a great feeling. Well, Stacy, you are just so full of energy. This is like one of the most delightful conversations. And I'm sure that the audience is, is loving this. And we could talk about you and your company for probably like three hours. However, I find the best entrepreneurs, the ones that I admire the most, are also observers. So I always love to ask the question, just who is it that you see out there that you observe that you say, wow, they're doing something really cool that we can learn from? Oh, well, there's a a business that comes to mind that's here in Austin. And when I first moved, I sort of stumbled upon it. It's a retail business. And I just felt so much gratitude the day that I walked into this business. And as a life coach, you can imagine how many people struggle with energy and how many people struggle with, you know, making sure by the end of their workday, they have a a vibrance to bring to the rest of their life, which is what I am helping people create, right? So that they don't just have their whole life feel like they're working, but that they feel like that workday was one part of their life and they get home and now they have another part of their their life. But in order to have that kind of stamina and that kind of sustained energy until a person goes to bed, a person needs to be healthy. A person needs to have a good energy level. They need to have strong mental acuity. And so one of the things that I really work to inspire my clients to do is eat a really clean diet, a very nutritious diet, a nutrient-dense diet, and to remove empty, unhealthy, useless calories out of our diet. And I'm a really big advocate of that. And I, sir, I eat a very healthy diet. I'm super passionate about helping others. Well, when I moved to Austin, I was in between networking and meetings and was starving. <laughs> and I was actually going to a coffee shop and I knew what would be waiting for me at that coffee shop and I didn't want to eat that. And so I, was, I had a little bit of time and I was thinking, well, maybe I could stumble upon something. And I was on Burnett Road driving south and I stumbled across a business called Skinny Limits. And by the name of it and by the logo, I thought, well, this looks like it might have something healthy. And so I drove in and went into the store and I just felt so much gratitude that Austin is a city that can support really healthy food establishments like this one. So for listeners that don't know about this business, it's, uh, it's basically a relatively fast food establishment that you can go in and order freshly squeezed juices. You could order made-to-serve fresh uh, smoothies. They have takeout plant-based meals. They have juices to go if you don't have the time to wait. Uh, but all of the food in the store is plant-based and very healthy. And I love that that option is available for people to balance out the other things they're eating in their diet that might not be as healthy. And so I think a lot of times people in our culture feel like it's all or nothing. And so, you know, when I have a client that eats poorly during the day, my advice is, well, eat cleanly in the evening to balance out that day. And so when I walked into this business, I thought, wow, I love that this is available for people who don't want to do what I do every day, which is food prep. I juice and I eat smoothies and I make a ton of salads and it takes time to prep all that. And I just love that there's an entrepreneur and it's a family run. Um, there, it's a, a married couple that uh, owns this business and they have many locations throughout Austin. And I think they're doing phenomenal 
phenomenal work at bringing healthy, fresh food to busy people's lives. And it's called Skinny Limits? Yes, it's called Skinny Limits. I'm going to have to go check that out because I'm trying very hard to, to eat better. One of the things I do every year is I try to do something challenging during the Lenten season. And so for Lent, I've decided this year that I'm giving up all breads, cakes, and loaves. Now, a couple years ago, I went 100% vegan for Lent, and I know that you eat and have eaten for a long, long time a vegan diet. So how, does, how do you manage eating a vegan diet with your busy schedule and, and travel and, and be running around between things and not knowing where to eat? Does that become difficult? You know, it doesn't. I, you know, moving from Louisville, where it is the collective consciousness in that city is not nearly as healthy, right? There's just not as much available pre-made food in, in that market. Austin makes eating a healthy diet so incredibly convenient. I, for one, really make it a priority to prepare my own food. I, as you mentioned, I've been eating a, a plant-based diet now. May will make 20 five years. And I eat uh, a pretty exclusively organic diet. And so I do like to prepare my own foods to ensure that. Uh, so for me, it's just a priority. And fortunately for me, I'm an early riser. And so I get up in the morning and take, uh, you know, usually about 30 minutes if I haven't prepared on the weekend, which I mostly always do. But if that hasn't happened, I'll, you know, I'll spend 30 minutes in the morning to prepare all my food for the next day or two. And it's worth it. I mean, you know, when people say to me, oh, I I don't have time to do the fruit prep like you do. I think, well, gosh, I don't have to be time to be drained at the end of the day like you do, <laughs> right? So people are spending, we're spending the same amount of time, right? So someone's spending an hour at the end of the day in front of a television because they're exhausted. I don't ever spend an hour at the end of the day in front of a television, but I definitely spend an hour every single day preparing healthy food, eating healthy food, and exercising. So I believe we all have the time. It's just a matter of really holding ourselves accountable to saying, what are my values and where am I allocating my time to support those values? And I think healthy eating, the, the return on investment for eating healthy foods is beyond anything we could even have time for in the rest of our segment today. It is so important. Well, and I'll tell you, when I, it's been like three years since I went vegan for Lent, during that, you know, six-week period or however long it was, 40-plus days, during that time, one of the things that I found was if I was making vegan choices, I was usually making healthy choices because you couldn't find things that were vegan you know, that weren't healthy. So I, you know, I had to avoid butter and cream and all these different things. Well, that came with also avoiding a lot of processed sugars and different stuff that was sort of also there. So I found at the end of that time, I actually did feel like I had more energy and I, I was healthier. This year, I had considered doing it again, but the truth of the matter was it was hard to live in a family and, and eat separately from them. So I know. It, was, it was a difficult decision to try and do it again. And, and I, I, I like my meat and, and I like a little bit of uh, butter every now and then. So I don't want to do it forever. But what I found was by giving up bread. So as a speaker, I'm at conferences all the time. And I was at a conference as Lent started, you know, Fat Tuesday and, and Ash Wednesday, I was away at a conference. And when I woke up in the morning, and I went down to the breakfast, I looked at the breakfast buffet, and there were these croissants that just looked so beautiful. And there were these scones <laughs> the size of my head. And I was like, wow, I can't, I can't eat any of that. And so I couldn't have the bread, so I had a little bit of egg and I had a little bit of cereal. But then because I was making the healthy choice intentionally to avoid all the processed breads, I also skipped over the potatoes and the bacon. And it was like, wow, once you start making some healthy choices, 
you're going to make a lot more healthy choices. Do you find that to be true? 100%. It's, it's just law of attraction, right? Like when we're in a positive space, we want to take good care of ourselves. And when we take good care of ourselves, we want to eat well and exercise. And when we eat well and we exercise, we have more energy. And when we have more energy, we feel more positive and the cycle starts all over again. And you can actually enter at any point in that cycle and then you can start from there and then that cycle continues. So maybe you start off feeling really positively and so then that, you know, gives you more motivation and then you eat better or maybe you start the cycle at eating better, but then you have more mental acuity. And when you have more mental acuity, you're more productive. And because you're more productive, you want to go exercise. And then the cycle continues. So absolutely. And the same, of course, is true on the opposite side, right? Like we all see that. You wake out of bed, you're a little bit crabby, then you end up running late, then you get stuck in traffic, you're in a bad mood, you get to the office, you're cranky, and then there's a a platter of donuts that someone brought in. And so you're a match to that donut, right? So once you eat that donut, you're like, oh, you feel you're getting a little bit tired, you're crashing from the sugar, and then all of a sudden you feel badly, you aren't as productive at work, you start to think, well, maybe I'll skip my workout, I'm not feeling that great today. I mean, you see how it works in both scenarios. And so what I remind people of is the only one making that choice is us. We get to choose which side of the line we're on in life, the positive side or the negative side, but we always have a choice to make. Well, and let's face it, who eats one donut? I brought home some Krispy Kremes, you know, and we plowed (laughs) through the dozen in like no time. I mean, you know, let's face it. I know. Nobody eats just one donut. That's the whole part. It's like a chip. You can't just have one chip. Well, and there are many things that I noticed when I started eating a plant-based diet. So I grew up in a family where everyone is overweight. And so on my plant-based diet, my journey, and as I mentioned, it'll be 25 years in May. And I have lost and maintained for well over 20 years years of 50 pound weight loss. And I think in our culture, and, and that's while aging, right? So, so to, I think in our culture to lose weight, I think is very, very possible, right? People will gain it and then they'll get super motivated for a short amount of time to take it off. But most people admittedly will say it is very difficult to maintain long-term weight loss. And it's been well over 20 years that I've maintained a 50 pound weight loss. And while I think that's incredibly significant, I have to say the thing I'm the most grateful for about my diet is the sustained mental alertness, mental acuity, and high energy level that eating a super clean diet brings me. And I will say, I don't think just eating a plant-based diet is enough, right? Like I'm just not a fan of being quote vegan. I'm really a fan of eating a clean diet. And so what that means for me is, you know, I eat very little, I mean, very, very, very little refined foods and processed foods at all. And so my diet is very vegetable, vegetable heavy, lots of greens, very little sweeteners, um, you know, just nothing refined. I just don't eat white flour. I don't eat much grain. And when you eat a really clean diet and you're pumping your body all day long with nutrition and energy, you get those results right back. So I'm a big fan and I know it's difficult in our culture and it's really hard, but I just, if there's one thing I'd like to give as a gift from our show today, it's just the encouragement and the inspiration for people to just clean up one part of their diet, just to make a commitment to, 
as a result of today's interview to just say, what one thing, just one thing, could I clean up and be committed to cleaning up? Yep. And I well, think that would make a really big difference. And, and it does, because I'm seeing it just, you know, a short time into Lent, just giving up the bread makes me give up a lot of the other stuff because I'm thinking about it. So cleaning up one area no. does, does lead to others. So Stacy, you're- It's motivating, isn't it? Yeah, it's very motivating. I'm looking forward to it. And I've actually already lost a couple of pounds. So it's like very clear that, that it can work. So you're clearly, you clearly have just this great giver's soul. And so the final question I like to ask everyone who comes on the show is, what do you do to give back to the greater good? And I mean, clearly you started off your career working for nonprofits. So what is it that you do to serve the, serve the greater good? Gosh, well, there are a few things. Um, and in moving to Austin, you know, that was one of the, one of my number one agenda items for myself personally was to kind of find, you know, find things that I could do in this community to give back. Because when you move to a city where you don't know anyone, you're asking for a lot of favors, right? <laughs> and well, you get, you know, I asked you for a favor. And so, you know, you're always asking for favors and it it is important for me to give back. So there are a few things. So more, more recently, something that I did um, that I was very inspired um, to, to do, and obviously from the last question in our interview, that's obvious, but Whole Foods does something they call a 28-day challenge, and they do this at the start of the year. And this was an unpaid sort of volunteer thing that I did for the people attending this challenge. The commitment was to go plant-based for 28 days. And so I offered to be a speaker and to go to each of the four stores that were um, targeted in this challenge and do an inspirational talk on eating a plant-based diet. And that was so much fun for me to give back and really help people after their 28 days sustain the kind of changes that you and I have been talking about. So I just recently did that. But the two things I'm really excited about is I just began to partner with someone who works in a lower income area and uh, it, with, with people who are trying to position themselves in the market for getting jobs and sort of turning around their financial situation. And I approached him about creating some talks that I could do that would be inspirational talks, but aimed at that, that segment. Because, you know, in my coaching practice, as you might imagine, you know, the people I'm working with are professionals that are, you know, already achieving a lot of success in their life. And I really want to help level the playing field in terms of opportunity uh, in the market. So I'm very excited to be doing that. And I'm, I'm actually meeting with him next week to talk about the kinds of things that he thinks that his constituents would benefit from having coaching and sort of an inspiration. Uh, you know, contributor in their lives. So that's something I'm very excited about. And then the charity that I recently became very active in is a, a local charity called Impact Austin. And it is a group, it's a women's philanthropy group. And so we're basically a group of women, there are roughly 500 of us that give a financial contribution every year that we pull together as a group. And then what we do is as a charity, we actually interview different nonprofits in the community who submit grant applications to us, and we award money to the five recipients that were chosen in five different giving areas. So that feels really good. It was a way for me to both connect with women, get involved in the community, but also channel my charitable dollars in a way that can really make a significant impact in this community. And they're a fantastic organization. 
It's been around for a long time, and, and I'm very, 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 very pleased to hear that that's a group you're involved with. I used to be on the board of a nonprofit that was actually a recipient of an Impact Austin oh, grant, really? and that makes a big difference. Yeah, no, it's a it's a great cause, and because there's there's power in numbers. So, you know, 500 women all giving a certain amount becomes a giant sum of money that can impact five charities very, very well. So I think that's fantastic. And I'd like to mention oh. the name of that charity, by the way, that um, that I was mentioning that, that I'm doing work with in the underprivileged community. Sure. And that's the Economic Growth Business Incubator. And so that's, that's a good group that I also want to draw attention to. So, so I don't think it's as widely known in the community as Impact Austin is, but I think one that's deserving of recognition and support. So that's the Economic Growth Business Incubator. Excellent. Well, it has been delightful to have you on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for being a guest. Thank you. And thank you to everybody who's listened. As always, I try to bring a cross-section of interesting people and just have a chat as if I was sitting in my kitchen, which I actually am. And uh, we are talking via Skype, but uh, I always like to bring people on who have like a real interesting energy as well as a lot of good stuff to share. So we'll be back in a couple of days with a new episode. And in the meantime, go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.